It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini, and joining me this evening via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders roster is still the same as it was when we spoke last week, but there has been big news on the Belmont Arena front from today. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's a very Islanders day here on Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> we got to see Go figure. Yeah, the good, bad, the good, the bad, and the weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of weird going around <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, but let's start with the good because uh, this is, you know, these what happened today was a couple of things and all of them uh, are significant steps forward in this team's never ending attempt to get itself an arena to call it its own. And uh, of the first thing that happened. So we knew this um, this Empire State Development meeting was happening today where they were going to uh, uh, release the. Um, the environmental impact study. Uh, we heard that Governor Cuomo was also going to be on Long Island to announce uh, a trail, a railroad station that was going to be built there. Uh, then, he, then that meeting got canceled. But the Islanders, uh, on their website, in an article that uh, is bylined New York State Press Office, which is very, very weird, and I'm still having trouble reconciling that. It's a very Islanders um, day. It is very. <laughs> <laughs> uh, announced uh, that there would be indeed a new uh, train station at Belmont Park. Uh, it's on one of the upper lots, or I guess the north lot. I might be wrong, but uh, it's going to cost. Uh, let me make sure, make sure I got this right. Uh, it's going to cost uh, well over a hundred thousand. Uh, hundred thousand. It's going to cost over a hundred million dollars, and it's going to cost excuse me, one hundred five million dollars. But the developers, obviously, it's the Islanders and the. Um, uh, Oakview Group and Sterling, who are helping build it, are going to kick in 97 million, so 92 percent of the total cost 
uh, will be covered by the Islanders and eight, the other 8 million will be by the state. That's pretty enormous. And this is this train station in particular is like a huge component of the arena. We always focus on the arena because that's what we want. We want our team to have a home. But this train station is a huge, huge, huge thing because it means that this won't be just sort of like a one-off thing for the people of Elmont and Fuller Park. Like this will be a year-round commuter both ways, <laughs> real for real Long Island Railroad Station that will go east and west and out to uh, – to Suffolk County, and yes, it, it will be on the main spur, and yes, it will bring people to Belmont and to Islanders games and to races, but this will also mean like a quality of life uh, in, in improvement for the people that live there, and it's kind of huge that the Islanders are paying for it. Like, I'm still trying to get my mind around this. Like, that's pretty wild. It's <laughs> it's so weird. The, the thing that blew my mind, I said this out loud at work, and I work with a lot of people from all over the country, and it's like this is the first train station built on Long Island in over 50 years. I read. Yeah. I read. Which I can't believe that. That tells, <laughs> that tells you so many different things. You know how sometimes they show those graphics like, oh, the last these, – these many people have won – you know, these many teams have won the Stanley Cup since, you know, the, the Blues won the last Stanley Cup. Like I'd love to see a graphic like that. How many train stations have been built in this country or around the world since the last one on Long Island was built? Right. Long Island, which is basically – have like it was what started commuter railroads and stuff like it's just it's so backwards <laughs> yeah. that this this like area this piece of land no basically known for its train station and the fact that basically everybody or a huge component of people here tra- training and out of the city hasn't had a train station built on it in 50 years yeah that <laughs> was on crazy. the islanders release and i had to read that sentence like a couple of times it's the first one get- right the, this would be the first one built since the islanders were you know like yeah, it's crazy. I mean, most of the of the article is, you know, uh, quotes from people like Governor Cuomo, like Lieutenant Governor John Ledecky and, and other people. And one of the things was from Governor Cuomo. And he said, now with the addition of the first full time LIRR station in almost 50 years, we will provide millions of visitors and fans a fast and affordable way to get there and continue New York's nation leading investments in 21st century transportation infrastructure. And like you said, the real big thing there is like, wait, the first full-time Long Island Railroad station in almost 50 years? And it's like, wow, <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's so funny too. This this franchise is um, being lauded by politicians from, hmm. you know, Montauk to basically Albany and Schenectady and everywhere else in New York. And and this is a team that politicians didn't want to like touch with a 20-foot yeah. pole, you know, right. but, but three years ago. And now here we are in bed with all of them. It's It's, right. it's so weird. The, the governor, the county exec, <laughs> uh, their, the lieutenant governor, let's see, who else? Uh, a representative, a couple of senators, like they're all in on this, this uh, you know, release here. And it's, it's you know, on one hand, it's, yeah, it's PR, but on the other hand, it's like, this is like a real thing that's going to happen here. Uh, at the same time that that train station was announced, and again, that that's the, the feature of this whole thing, but also at the same time, uh, the economic... Uh, an impact study was also released, and it's kind of small scale. Uh, there's a link there that you can read, and actually, believe it or not, it's it's written for normal humans to understand, which is kind of nice. But basically, it goes into like uh, how many jobs will be created, how many tax dollars will be created, like you know how much uh, earnings there will be, and uh, a lot of this is pretty eye opening too. Like the the big takeaway here is uh, for every one dollar in private money invested. Another dollar forty of economic activity will be generated. So they expect to make a profit on this thing at some point. Um, and uh, you know, there's going to be forty-four million dollars in tax revenue, and there's going to be, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, six thousand nine hundred direct construction jobs. Uh, and then there's also going to be thirty-one hundred spillover construction jobs. And then I think there was like um, a thousand or so. It says it in there. Um, a permanent job. So I think it was like 600 jobs within the arena. And then you've got, you know, jobs for the hotel and the retail village and all the ancillary stuff that's going to go along there. So, so this is a huge deal. And, and, you know, this was already a lot to take in. And then around three o'clock up in Albany, this um, environment, this uh, empire state development meeting got started. It's kind of like a town hall meeting, uh, but this was where they were going to announce the findings of their, environmental impact study, which is the thing we've been waiting for on Mark Berner of Horse Race Insider talked to us about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And um, if you have access to Twitter or you just want to go on, uh, Randy Marshall of Newsday obviously has been covering this topic. She's been covering the Islanders arena saga probably more than anybody else. And 
her like live tweeting of this meeting uh, is the weird part that you were talking about. Before. <laughs> like, it's basically like a like a Parks and Recreation scene from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Like, I, you know, there's some people with some legitimate gripes here, yeah. but there are also some people that are just completely out to lunch, and I just don't understand where they were coming from. It's just very strange to read some of this stuff here. Um, yeah, somebody call. You know, they keep calling the 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 retail village a mall <laughs> and comparing it to Roosevelt Field, and it's like, yeah, no, this is a very different thing than the. Eight billion square feet of Roosevelt Field. I, I don't know. I mean, was there something here that that really grabbed you? Because I mean, it's all great. Yeah, it's all crazy. It really is, and I think that there's something that helps me like sleep at night with this whole arena thing. Is that if if you look at like stadiums being built around the country and arenas being built, and there's usually like six or seven reporters like Randy Marshall who are you know journalists in in like the most honorary way, like way you can think of it. Tell it like it is. Really don't you know, get too much into, um, like their own personal, I mean, she does a little bit, which, um, but like she, she doesn't really make it about herself. It's, she presents the facts and, and these other kind of sporting markets, when this is all going down, the Randy Marshalls are like just criticizing it to no end. They're like, this is, this is, you know, the, the Derek Jeter's getting away with murder with the, in like in, with the tax breaks in, in Florida. And it's just, you hear, you see stuff like that. This one has had, like some things that may be a little shysty, but it's been overwhelmingly positive. Like it's not, there's nothing terrible about it. And I think she, seeing her be like, uh, we were talking about a couple of the tweets before, like the one about the tailgating, like when Randy Marshall's kind of like rolling her eyes at something like that, it makes you feel a little bit better. You're like, oh, yeah, maybe that person is a little bit off kilter. Like it's not me, it's <laughs> them. Like I'm, I think maybe I'm okay because some of this is just, it's, it's like, it, it, it almost reads like they all got together and they're like, okay, you be the tailgating person, you be the traffic person. And, and they, they kind of like ganked up, but that what they don't realize is unfortunately there's just so few of them and they're, they're very much a vocal minority as, as we've talked about. And um, listen, like someone drops an arena into your, your village, you have every right to be like, to kick the tires and uh, you know, be like, maybe we shouldn't, we should think twice before, you know, we, we we just dropped this thing in the middle of this this town and um but it seems like most people think are are trying are trying to point these people in the right directions that like this could if this goes well which it so far kind of is like the islanders are footing the bill for this train station basically like maybe this will be good for you like this, this could be good mm. and uh good for the area and um you know i think that's that's really what's been helping me, you know, deal with because these things bring moral moral baggage with them, and and that's what's been definitely helping me with this, uh, this one. Yeah, from an outsider's perspective, it certainly seems like a lot of what they're doing here is way better than we've seen in some other markets. The the Marlins market, obviously, that that ballpark is one of the biggest boondoggles of all time, and and poor Marlins fans and the people in Miami are going to be footing the bill for that for a very, very long time. But, you know, you've got the Islanders here who are paying for the uh, train station, which is kind of a huge deal. Uh, Randy actually had a, a tweet about that. She wrote, developer will pay $30 million up front. The state will front the $75 million. Then the developer will pay back the state for all but $8 million. So they will pay for it. It's just they're kind of doing it, it through, through the state uh, in a way. And that's a little bit weird. But at the same time, like, you know, if they default on it, that's going to be a huge problem, and we'll have to you know deal with it then. But it doesn't sound like you know when you're going to put that much up, it doesn't sound like you're going to you plan on just walking away from it. it doesn't sound like these guys plan on walking away at all. But um, you know, they people keep talking about like, oh, we want transparency, we want community involvement, and at one point in the economic um, study that I mentioned before, like they talked about how many community meetings they had, how many you know. Uh, site visits they had, how many, you know, polls they took. And I just, part of me wonders, like, you know, at what point do you have to just be like, yeah, they did that stuff. I mean, even in the, um, the environmental study, oh, sorry, I meant, I meant to mention at the end of this, the environmental study did come out and you can read that too. Uh, Randy had that on her, her Twitter account. You can read like about all the impact and basically they were just like, yeah, the noise complaints, they're not going to get that, you know, they're not going to rise above the level of what, would be normally there or it would rise above the, the level that's normally there, but it wouldn't rise to the level of like detrimental or harmful or anything like that. And uh, you just kind of wonder at some point, like, you know, that's, it is just what it is. And 
I mentioned on Twitter, like it just seemed like a lot of people were complaining in the in the sense that we just don't want this. And I get that. You don't want this, but they seem to be basically crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's here. And it might not be to necessarily your liking, but it doesn't seem like it's untoward either. It doesn't look like it's the kind of thing where they're like ramming through. Oh, a couple of com- people are complaining like, oh, we want more time to figure this out. We wanted, we want to start from scratch, start the whole process over from scratch, and we want more time. It's like they were announced as the winner of the bid a year and a half ago. Like, I don't know how much more time you want. Like, this is this this plot has been sitting down for God only knows how long. They've had a year and a half to get to this point. It seems like kind of a long time. And if no red flags came up and nobody really put up, uh, you know, uh, an opposition more than like, ah, oh, there's going to be a lot of traffic. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't see where the opposition can come from, really. It's pretty seems pretty on the up and up for the most part. I mean, I could be wrong about this in two, five years, but. So far, it seems like it's pretty much on the up and up, which is good for us because it means like this is actually going to happen, yeah. which is unbelievable. And I think most of these people and, – and we had a, a really coherent email from someone who you know laid out the reasons um, why people are opposing this. And like we've been saying, you go right – like you, you, if you live there and, and you're upset with it, like you have every right to be upset. I, we get it. But if it's happening, like at some point you just got to be like it's coming. The, the New York Islanders are a professional sports team are moving down the block from me. How do I how do I move how do I make the most of that? And there's going to be a lot of ways to do it. Like there's going to be you know more people in your town. There's going to be chances to you know, to probably open up shops. I think you know value the, the property value should at least like from from a very un I've never owned a home. Uh, 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 but so like I won't I don't I'm not a real estate expert. But my guess if you were to ask me and say do you think property value or this the the general value of this area is going to go up or down? You say probably up like this is and um i saw somebody mention although it might have been just a rando on twitter saying that you know basically because the team is paying for the the train station their property values are going to go up because they're not paying right exactly basically and uh so i think you know at some point you just you probably have to just do that and i think everybody is in agreement too that the islanders leaving long island is would be just terrible for long island across the board it's just you know even just you know optics from optics down to the bottom line, like it would be bad news. Uh, and I think if you ask the people back in Nassau County or in the town of Hempstead, like, did you, do you want the Islanders back? We and do you want to do over? They would say yes. We'll take. We would love to try to, you know, do that one over and keep them in, in the hub and that's been, you know, kicked kicked around for since 1972 basically. With, with apparently it's still alive and just I don't know where it is right <laughs> yeah, exactly. now. But you know. Uh, so uh, I I think it, you know it's a it's a good. It was a step in the right direction. I still uh, don't want to jinx it that it's going to get done because who like <laughs> this is the Islanders, so who knows? You know who knows how they can screw it up. But uh, yeah, it felt good. It felt good to just like see the way things went out went along today. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely still a couple of of uh, approvals to get. So this isn't like this shovel in the ground, the mythical shovel in the ground that we've all been waiting for. But these are three significant steps. And again, getting getting the the train station there cannot be underestimated. Like that was a big deal. And it should be a big deal because, you know, why should you only get, you know, right now that train station that's there is only, it's very seasonal and only goes one way. But now you're getting a, you know, both ways, full-time LIRR station there that's pretty important for the community in general. Um, so, yeah, there are still things that, you know, there's still a few hurdles to get. But the strides made today have been significant. And, again, you can read the environmental impact study uh, from – well, I'll put a, I'll put links to all this stuff in, in our uh, – post you can read it there but uh they're all pretty you know the environmental one is kind of long and it involves a lot of like comments like there's a big comment section that and responses and again like you know whenever people are like oh where's the transparency where are the where's the community involvement it's like you've got 30 pages of comments here from the community like i don't really get what it is uh what the complaint is but um just <laughs> to get back to what you were saying before i think i've selected my top three um uh, comments that were made at the uh, Empire State Development meeting today as as uh, live tweeted by Randy Marshall. So number three uh, is the one you mentioned before. Uh, Randy wrote, Floral Park Mom, quote, what's going to protect our kids from tailgating, from maybe things that are more adult-oriented? An eight-feet hedge might not be enough. We need to protect our kids from tailgating because of God knows. I don't know what's going on down there. They're dancing. They're eating hot dogs. I don't know what's happening. At tailgating. <laughs> I Like we were saying, some people have a legitimate cause and reason to be upset about this in that area. The fact that New York Islander fans will be, 
you know, sitting on, on the bumper of their car for an hour before or two hours before a game. I don't think and your and your kids like hopping a fence to go check it out. I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. uh, I, it just it blows that one blows my mind. I yeah. I just I wonder I like to imagine that person uh, when they said that did a, one of those nods when they look around the room and just nobody really said anything. And maybe like one person just like clapped. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's all right. It was I can see that. It's uh, scary. It reminds me of Michael Scott in The Office or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all of these again are just straight out of Parks and Recreation. Um, there was another one here. This is my my number two comment. Uh, also from Randy. Uh, several more Floral Park residents follow similar concepts before one raises casino concern and then one says up to this moment i was a lifelong islanders fan says the plan would be a disaster you know i'm gonna go ahead and say if you're a lifelong islanders fan you're probably sick to death of this topic (laughs) and the fact that they're even here now at this point is probably enough to get you to be in involved like in into okay let's make this happen let's do this Something tells me that guy is not necessarily a lifelong Islanders fan, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, who, I mean, who knows? But the, the the when you read these, like it, they make it seem like the yeah. like Green Bay Packers are moving in. Like this is this gigantic <laughs> or like all right. all of Pittsburgh Steeler Nation. Machine, yeah, it's yeah. just like these. You know, all of a sudden these rust belters are just going to be running around, running amok in in our town. But like, it's not. There's not going to be three hundred thousand people descending. It's not an SEC game day right there's not gonna be like three hundred thousand people descending on this town every you know tuesday night in february it's <laughs> and that's why i pick my number one comment uh which was basically the one that randy ended with uh, her, her ended her uh stream in which was uh, somebody was complaining this will be belmont stakes every day and you know randy is like no it won't be the belmont stakes every single day because that's like a hundred thousand people and you're here talking about, you know, this is an 18,000-seat arena. And, look, let's be honest. If the Islanders get 18,000 people a game, that will be an enormous, enormous change of pace. <laughs> that, that means 2,000 people, people are, are, will be sitting sitting uh, in the parking lot and not be able to watch the game because we probably can't, yeah, we right? can't fit them all in. Oh. I know. I, I You know, this team is going to average in attendance what it's always been averaging in attendance, probably about – you know, fourteen to 16,000 people a game at the most. Yeah, okay, there'll be games against the Rangers that'll get 18,000, games against the Leafs. Playoff games, obviously, are going to be sold out. But, you know, look, let's not, let's not, you know, give the Islanders too much credit here. Like, they're still the Islanders, and they're still only going to draw so much. In fact, that's the big thing I worry about is this thing gets built. Let's fast forward three, four years in the future. It gets built. Everything's great. The arena's beautiful. The land is beautiful. And then the first time there's, you know, less than 18,000 people there, some dickhead from Canada is going to be all over the place. They're at three and a half games before there's a, a picture of, of the empty seats tweeted out by some some writer or, or a Twitter account. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. It, it'll happen in, yeah. Oh, no. Immediately. It'll be like, immediately. oh, yeah, but traffic must an, be bad if there's only, you know, yeah. 8,000 people here for warm-ups. Right. Now the Coyotes are playing and it's freaking cold outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be yeah, it'll be a game against the Coyotes or the Jets in December in a snowstorm and, you know, 18 Leafs riders from the Athletic are going to be like, Whoa, I thought this was supposed to be good for this team. <laughs> just, these guys, they're the worst. The, these people are the worst, honestly. But that's what's going to happen. So so there you go. So, I mean, you know, again, we're, <laughs> we are making fun of people. But at the same time, like, there are legitimate reasons to be concerned about this. But from all intents and purposes, from our point of view, from our, you know, you know whatever, 50,000 50, foot view, it seems like they're going about this in the best way possible. They've they've gotten the community. They they've actually made changes. Actually, let me. Well, I'll mention that and I'll close that too. Um, you know, they they mentioned in the uh, in the article on the Islanders website the changes that they've made to the plans uh, based on community involvement. For example, they have lowered the uh, height of the hotel. They've lowered the size or shrunk the size of the retail village. They've moved. Uh, the power station from one spot to another. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, they've uh, reduced the maximum height of the hotel by 100 feet, which is like 10 floors, basically. Uh, reduced the project's retail component from 435,000 feet to 350,000 feet, so almost 100,000 feet less, uh, neither of which is anywhere almost near Roosevelt Field. So stop talking about Roosevelt Field because this is not that kind of mall. 
they located they relocated a planned PSENG substation. They've and, and they've obviously gotten the uh, Long Island Railroad trace uh, train there. So these are all changes that came about because of community involvement, because of like you know people con- raising concerns, and and they're all important things to have done. I you know you don't want to. However many story hotel, well, now it's a little bit smaller. You don't want the retail thing to be this big. Well, now it's a little bit smaller. But ultimately, I mean, this is the thing that's wanted by the governor, by the county, by the team, by the developers, by the New York Racing Association, by lots and lots and lots and lots of people. And quite frankly, at this point, it seems like it's going to be kind of a big, cool deal for the community. And I mean, you know, what else can you ask for, really? I mean, at some point, you know, I hate to use this phrase, but, you know, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And I think some people's eggs are getting broken right now. And, and I'm sorry to tell them that. But, you know, I think ultimately in the long run, this might be a boon for the community. And quite frankly, you'll never know unless it happens. But uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to do some wish listing uh, and see, uh, talk about who uh, the Islanders might uh, be looking to acquire over the rest of the offseason. All right. We'll be back in a second. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Islanders roster is exactly the same as it was when we spoke last. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about some guys that uh, we may hope the Islanders acquire, wish the Islanders could acquire over the course of the next few months in the offseason. Uh, our friend Carrie Haber wrote a great article today on the site. You can read uh, about some guys that might be uh, might make good trade possibilities. Uh, a couple of guys on the list are, uh, I got it right here, Nikita Gusev. Uh, we're going to talk about each of them individually. Nikolai Ehlers, Mike Hoffman, uh, Michael Frolik, uh, Jason Zucker, and that's about it. Uh, and then obviously there's a bunch more in the comments if people have other ideas. Uh, I want to start with Gusev because he's kind of like at the top of mind right now. Uh, this guy, if you've never heard of this guy, don't don't sweat it because he's never played a day in the NHL. He is a huge, huge star, though, in the KHL, and he was signed last April by the Vegas Golden Knights. Unfortunately, the Golden Knights, in their wild ride to NHL prominence over the course of the last year and a half, have no cap space, and now they don't know what to do with this guy. So he could be available for trade, uh, or they could trade a bunch of other guys and make room for Gusev and then sign him but he apparently wants four million a year thereabouts um they need way more cap space they're going to need to trade at least two players to make room to sign him and apparently the going rate might be a second round pick and a prospect which doesn't seem all that bad um he's a star in the khl and he could be a huge huge almost free money get for an nhl team right now but there's a lot of risk that comes with that and you know, I gotta be honest. Like, if the if the Golden Knights sign uh, trade him, there's gonna be like you know, 31 franchises that are gonna be like, oh man, why didn't we get that guy? Or they could be 31 franchises that are like, oh, thank God we dodged that bullet. You know, so we don't know. But he's an interesting case. I mean, it's gonna be weird to see where he ends up. Maybe he, he might not end up anywhere. Well, we know. We'll just have to find out and see. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think all like you said, all 30 at this moment, all 30 franchises outside of the Knights uh, are just begging their gms to to like go get him uh because yeah like he's free money and much like panarin uh in the way he kind of went to the blackhawks like he was a good khl player kind of i think panarin was what un, was he drafted or he someone else owned his rights i believe before the black blackhawks or maybe it was just took him a while to get over or something and i'll look it up right now i think they they did draft him but yeah we'll but he just took forever to come over and then when right. he did like you know he was great uh no they just signed him as free yeah okay yeah, so uh, 
if he's he's generating this you know this kind of hype it's it's a little scary i guess but at the same time it it gets you excited especially considering what the islanders did on J- july 1st uh when they missed out on panarin who it feels like this guy could be just as good and just as exciting a type of player um and he just his skill set if it translates from the khl to uh the nhl is just exactly what i'm sure every team could use it but the islanders are desperately are desperate for it because they're it's basically what the missing ingredient is uh for this team and right uh which is so weird that the islanders have all these boxes ticked <laughs> and, they're just, and there's just one and it's what what can hold them back and it could hold them back big time uh but i, I mean to me it's a no-brainer uh the islanders we've we've now been hit with in, in the face with a with a baseball bat twice on july 1st and it just goes to show you like free agents are not they don't as much as we say it all the time they talk up the schools and the beaches and the golf and whatever uh they have to get here first before they fall in love with the place and uh that unfortunately is not going to ever happen through free agency <laughs> uh so right. they i mean they have to take swings that swings like this and um that's why i'm hoping you know uh carries list uh had like you know a couple intriguing options and i hope that if if the islanders were going down a route this is the one they're exploring the most rather than another guy who's on the list was michael Furleek, who's a good player but i think the islanders have uh that kind of basically ceiling to player where whereas this guy's gonna not gonna bite you in the ass but he's not going to score 40 goals and set up you know 60 more Right. Uh, yeah, he seems like a, a bit of more of a playmaker than Panarin. Uh, uh, Gusev's 17, uh, 2017 through 2019 played 116 games, 39 goals, 105 assists for 144 points. Uh, Panarin, over a two-year stretch, 2013 to 2015, had 105 games, uh, 46 goals, so about seven more goals, and only 56 assists. So, I mean... Uh, Gusev has twice as many assists, basically, as Panarin. So he's pretty damn good. Now, a lot of people will tell you that the KHL is, you know, a lot easier league, and maybe he wouldn't do that in the NHL. And again, there is risk there. But I think this is a risk worth taking. I'm with you. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. But, you know, there are fans of every team in the NHL saying, well, it's a no-brainer. And Vegas fans are like, that's a no-brainer. you got to trade three other guys to keep this guy. But, you know, at some point, somebody's going to get him, and hopefully it's the Islanders. Uh, Kerry also proposed an interesting concept because the Islanders – Yes, they do need scoring, but they also need a third-line center as well with Val Philpola having gone to Detroit. We didn't really talk about that much uh, last episode. But uh, it's possible that, you know, because, again, the Knights have to sign other guys too, and they need a lot of cap space, and they don't have any right now. Um, and so the Islanders could potentially parlay Gusev into also getting Cody Eakin, who's got one year left on his deal, who would slide right into that third-line center spot. And uh, that would be great for them. I mean, he's got one year left, so really – you know, it's really hard, no harm, no foul. He, if he stays, if you like him, you keep him. If he doesn't, well, he walks, and that's no big deal. Um, the problem is, what are the Knights going to want? They can't take any salary back. So you're talking about trading probably a high draft pick, maybe a couple of prospects or something like that. So maybe draft picks over the course of years. So it's it's a no-brainer in the sense that I, I think Gusev could make a good uh, um, addition, but at the, at the same time, it's not a no-brainer because we don't know what – the, the Knights are going to want and whether or not the Islanders have it. You know, this isn't like, yeah, okay, well, they, you know, the Islanders could probably trade Nick Letty, but there's no way Vegas is taking on another $5 million contract. So that's the way that works. Uh, however, maybe Nick Letty could find his way to Winnipeg, where Nikolai Ehlers is playing right now. And the Jets are in a similar situation. They need to pay Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. They need to pay Neil Pionk. They need to pay Andrew Kopp. And they're getting up to the top of the cap and they need to get rid of somebody. And unfortunately, either seems like the kind of odd man out. Uh, he's making six million this year. Uh, I think let me make sure I got that right. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's apparently or going to make six million over six years. I forget if he's making that now or he wants that, but uh, he would be a good addition too. that. Whenever I think of Nikolai either is unfortunately, I, I think of when uh, Franz Nielsen took a slap shot one year in Winnipeg and broke Ehlers uh, visor on his mask and he got all bloody and they had to, he had to leave the ice and <laughs> he was out for a long time. And I'm sorry, Nick Ehlers, I'm sure you're a fine player and all, but whenever I hear your name, that's yeah. the first thing I think. Cause, and, I yeah. There, it was a little Dane on Dane. Thing, yeah. Which is, which is funny. I feel like Franz has had some Dane on Dane incidents, right? Didn't he fight a Dane? Did he fight? Uh, not Dale Weiss. It was somebody else. There was another guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I forget, but I'll have to look it up. But yeah, um, yeah, Ehlers though twenty goals in three straight. Yeah, years, he's, so. he's pretty darn good player. Yeah, he's really good. I think uh, he. This is the. I think even less likely than than Gusev. I think this is probably the least likely scenario of the ones that Carrier uh, put out there. Um, he's just too darn good and too young. I think to that they would just give him up, and the Islanders have some really high end prospects that they can ask for and be like, all right, you're not going to get him unless you give us, you know, a Noah Dobson, a Bodie Wild, and I don't think the Islanders would would do that. Uh, even though they have a surplus of defensemen, I think. You know, I don't think Sebastian Ajo or Mitch Van de Sampo would get it done with, with a first-round pick. But um, who knows? I think the Islanders also – the Jets' cap situation is one where people can bug the hell out of them with a, an offer sheet <laughs> and be like, all right, like, if you, you're going to match that, then just trade us Ehlers. <laughs> you know, or something. Yeah, right. There's there the teams that uh, – it sucks to say, but, like, the Leafs got pretty creative this offseason. There are teams that are getting creative. Uh, the Coyotes do it all the time because they're in a similar situation as the Islanders where they'll they'll take these weird contracts and stuff. And so the Islanders, I'm not saying they should take on bad contracts right now because they're not in that position anymore. But they they need to uh, they need to do something to to upgrade that that top end of the roster. Otherwise, uh, we're in trouble. So it's, and it's going to take something weird. Yeah, yeah. And you know the problem with the Islanders is they do have a lot of guys kind of signed long term, and so. Yeah, it could take getting creative. They do have their full complement of picks for the first time in a couple of years. And they do have uh, some pretty notable guys in the minors. So it might take them too. Uh, hopefully not Bodie Wild. I would think that Bodie Wild, uh, Noah Dobson, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, probably off limits. Uh, Josh Hosang, I don't think, is going to fetch much. So I don't know where he's going at. Uh, so they have some top-end guys, but they also have some like you know kind of junior-level guys that are pretty good. But... They are going to need to get creative. I don't think you're going to see sort of like a you know the trade is one for one type deals uh, out there. I mean, and talk about getting creative. I mean, the Devils got PK Subban basically because they were the only team that was able to take on the full freight of his contract. So you know you never know who's out there, and that kind of took everybody by surprise. But when you think about it, yeah, I guess it makes a lot of sense. And you know, they found two. You found a partner who could give you what you wanted, and there you go. Um, other guys on on Carey's list are kind of more in that sort of. Straight hockey one for one trade. Mike Hoffman is one. Uh, he's only got one year left at five million. Uh, he's playing for the Panthers now. The Panthers went on a on a spending spree. They do this like every ten years or so. They go out and they spend a bunch of money, and I still don't think they're that good. But uh, somebody might end up getting cut, and Hoffman might be the guy. Probably not the kind of guy you necessarily want to keep around, but he's definitely pretty good. He had thirty six goals last year. Uh, you, you know, he had a career high shooting percentage, but he's generally been a pretty good shooter in his career, uh, with, with Ottawa in particular. So, uh, you know, he could be an interesting sort of one year get, uh, Jason Zucker is a poor guy who's been in trade rumors now, what seems like his entire career. Uh, he's a pretty good player too. He had uh, 30 goals last year. Um, not, not this past season, but the season before, uh, he had 20 goals last year. Uh, he's, you know, he's a guy who's, he won the, the NHL, I think, uh, the King Clancy award for like community service. seems like a great guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know why the Minnesota wild are hell bent on getting rid of him, but I don't know. That team is very odd. Paul Fenton is a very odd guy and, and I don't know what, nobody knows what's going through his head right now. So he would be great. And I mean, either one of those guys could be gotten essentially in like a one for one swap, maybe like, maybe for Nick Letty or Thomas Hickey or something like that. Um, that can, that you don't have to get too creative to get those guys. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think they're less, they're good players, but they're less dynamic than say a Gusev or a Nick Ehlers or somebody like that. Yeah, exactly. I think <clears throat> that's the type of, of deal that you wake up the morning after it breaks and you're like, Oh, that was good. You're not like mm. super, super excited. I think, uh, Hoffman especially is, you know, just had, has some weird history. So, mm. um, they didn't acquire uh, Eric Carlson, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the strangest, strangest sagas, yeah, yeah, man. It's just kind of not talked about anymore. But uh, mm. the uh, yeah, I mean, those two guys, I, I would love them. I think they'd be great fits. But uh, now that you know Gusev and and the one that I want to talk about the most, Mitch Marner, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> have have kind of been dangled a little bit. Um, you, you're kind of like, oh, I mean, it's not that it would be a disappointment, but. You could you could look at it. I mean, even going back to the Panarin thing, like we were so close to some like super high end, you know, game breaking, tantalizing talent, and uh, you quote unquote settle for for these guys. And once again, I'm not saying I wouldn't take drive them 
from wherever they are to to <laughs> Long Island. But uh, I'm just saying now that the other guys have been kind of put in front of us, like, and I've been carried getting carried away with with them. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, for sure. Uh, and real quick, Froelich was the last guy. I, I think, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's more of a defensive guy. I think he would really flourish under Barry Trotz. That's my one sort of silver lining about Froelich. I think. Yep. He and Barry Trotz would get along very, 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 very well. But again, you know, if Jason Zucker is not as dynamic as Gusev, Froelich is not as dynamic as Jason Zucker. So now we're getting to the to the guys who are like, okay, but they're not really gonna, you know, put butts in the seats or probably, you know, uh, score a ton of electric goals or anything. Yeah, it's like Marcus Johansson a little bit. I think Froelich's yeah. a little bit more defensive slanted than Johansson, but Johansson's a little bit more dynamic. But yeah, yeah. it's a guy that that you'd just be like, no, he he. You know, color me. He makes perfect sense because that's exactly yeah. you know that's we get it. Like he makes perfect sense, right. but there are also a couple of guys that that also might make even better sense. And but there's a little bit more risk to him. And sure. uh, yeah, that's that's those are the kind of guys we should be going for. I think. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's talk about some risky moves and getting creative. And the guy you want to talk about, we can stop dancing around him now, is Mitch Marner. Now Marner is currently in RFA. I, this year seems like there's a lot of RFAs that. Aren't just going to take what what the the GM deals them. Although Kevin LeBanc today signed for a one year, one million dollar, you know, re-sign with the uh, San Jose Sharks, and all all afternoon, my entire Twitter timeline was like, "What the hell's wrong with Kevin LeBanc's agent? What what is the matter with you? Why do you take one million dollars? You know, that that's pretty ridiculous." But uh, there's a lot of RFAs right now that you know uh, aren't going to just take whatever the first deal is. Sebastian Ajo obviously was offer sheeted by the Canadians, and the the Hurricanes matched right away. Uh, which kind of you know seemed like almost a slap in the face of the Hurricanes, but whatever got done, it got done. And Marner's still out there, and it doesn't sound like he's signing anytime soon. And you know, I think people are kind of half kidding when they talk about, well, maybe the Islanders are out there signing, you know, preparing an offer sheet. But you know, some people have mentioned that there's rumors out there. Some people, I should say, insiders have mentioned that the specter of an offer sheet for Mitch Marner is very real, and the Islanders are potentially the team that could do it. Uh, and you have not stopped talking, thinking about this, right? Is that what's going on? Yeah, uh, I mean, you're just I, obsessed with this. I, I mean, it goes back to a, to a dark place, you know, with the whole thing that happened to us last summer. But I mean, it's just on so many levels, it would be just so great. So many levels. I mean, selfishly, like let's say this deal just blows up in our face, like we'd have to live with that and have to live with the, the reason we really wanted to mortgage for draft picks for Mitch Marner and perhaps put ourselves in a cap bind a year or two from now is because, you know, we wanted to get back at the team that broke our hearts. And I think that's kind of what it's all about, right? <laughs> and, you know, being a fan, like you, you want to live in, you want, that's a moment. Winning championships sure is the goal, but moments are too. Like, and that's a great moment for the Islanders if they do that and Marner comes over, um, and that's that's what we're that's why we we do this and and root for teams and listen like there's just it's fun because as as unlikely as it seems he leaves which it still is you know uh, the Maple Leafs are the overwhelming favorite for this guy's signature and we'll say that right. until we're proven otherwise uh, it's been fun it's been fun to to watch them squirm a little bit because uh, you know Marner seems to be having a great time kind of not worried about all, any of this because he's got all a lot of leverage. Uh, and, you know, we saw him at Matt Martin's wedding, which was just, a, that was, that's like the, the, the salt <laughs> babe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Put a little salt on it. Like that was the Islander fans. Like that was just a coup de grace. That was beautiful to see like the timing of that. Uh, and then obviously today, the, the, the video of him wakeboarding or whatever sport he was, he was <laughs> playing at the lake. <laughs> uh, right. It was just like, it just goes, this guy's, Totally not worried about it as he shouldn't be. He's in all these pictures with Islanders and uh, at the wedding. It's been, it's just the, and he's so good. Like, so it's not like it's a bad thing if it happens uh, automatically. Like, this guy would make the Islanders a legitimate threat in the Metro uh, by himself with him and the, like, him and Barzell at the top of the, the roster. Sure. Um, it's just, the whole ride is great. If, I, I, self, I, of course, I want, you know, us to hang up and then the second we do, the offer sheet to come through but at the same time i kind of hope it just goes all summer and then like the last second the islanders come in just to really make people suffer up there oh yeah it's, i mean people seem to already forget that william nylander held out until december of last year <laughs> before he got his deal and then he came in he looked pretty good immediately and then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth and you know people were kind of yelling at him by the by the end of the season leafs fans wanted him traded 
uh, the number one thing Leafs fans do more better than anybody is pretend that stuff doesn't bother them, even though it clearly does. And so, you know, this whole Marner thing is like, well, you know, it's not a big deal. And then, and then of course, it's like, well, maybe you know, whether it's the Islanders or somebody else, it's like, well, if you offer sheet them, we'll get four first round picks and we'll just, you know, be better at, with that way. It's like, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like I, I was saying before we came on, I, Last week, I saw Spider-Man Far From Home twice, and I saw Avengers Endgame for the third time, and I feel like all of the events in both of those movies are more realistic than the Islanders offer-sheeting Mitch Marner at any point this summer or any time. I just don't see it happening. Um, I think maybe they're just, you know, the the Spectre's out there, and the longer Marner goes unsigned, the longer it seems like the Spectre's out there. But, I mean, ultimately, he'll probably just end up back with the Leafs, but... Yeah, he's you know when a, when a talent like that is out there, and I mean him and Barzell together, I think would just run roughshod throughout this division for sure. I mean they're both young, they're both dynamic, they're both fast, they're both smart. Um, you know it's it's hard not to get your mind around that and not be like, damn, that would be. All. I mean that's the kind of trade you make in like you know on PlayStation or Sega Genesis. Like you you would make that trade every day just to have fun and play a game. But uh, I just you know I just can't necessarily see it happening. And I don't know. I mean, I like watching Islanders fans tweak Leafs fans. I did some tweaking of Leafs fans this weekend uh, with the whole Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers thing. And then I went to go see a movie, and it turns out that I had inadvertently launched a grenade into <laughs> into Twitter. I don't really care. I, I have my notifications turned off for a reason. So whatever people are saying, I don't get doesn't really bother me. But uh, you know, I just uh, it's it's summertime. You know, it's the hot stove. It's is is that to me? That's what it is. It's just the hot stove stuff and. Nothing ever really comes of it, but uh, I'm with you. I just hope he drags whatever he does. I hope he drags it out for as long as possible, and makes him sweat it out, and because they really can't do anything until they sign him. Because you know, they, they, that's where the money's going. Yeah, be. it's so great. Uh, it really is. It feels feels good. Actually, I was talking to uh, a Leafs fan who is also uh, a pretty prominent in, in the sports betting industry. He's a super smart hockey guy, and uh, I like to get his go it a little bit with the Leafs and he does the same with the Islanders and uh I was saying you know that I because I, I think John Bucci Gross was like yeah. was the first person I think that morning and then a couple other people hopped on and uh first of all like John Bucci that came out of left field like I mean I, I know he's probably well connected in the in the industry but uh he might have just been you know screwing around because who's heard that name in you know 15 years in terms of relevant hockey news but um so, yeah, so I reached out to this guy. And he's like, honestly, it, it could be a good thing just kind of universally for, for the Islanders, for the Leafs, and just in, for fans because it just would – this is a, a rivalry that's on the kind of precipice. I mean we obviously despise everything about that team, and, and it would be <laughs> nice you know, if, if, we're, if we're what draws their ire is like you know, the, the two basically polar opposites of each other as franchises, um, you know – to, to, to take all their attention away from like the Canadians for a little bit and uh, would be fun uh, just to have that to have that fan I mean they already do they already find it's really annoying but but <laughs> but for for them to like actually feel the same hatred that we feel for them this coming this way would just be great yeah I don't know it's gonna take a lot more than that uh, every time somebody tells me or I see people telling Islanders Leafs fans telling Islanders fans to get over to Varus I just remind myself that this is a franchise. This is a fan base that's been mad about a missed high sticking call since that that happened in 1993. <laughs> so I mean, for them to tell anybody to get over something is pretty funny. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll have to see. And and there's a couple of other RFAs out there too. I mean, well, Aho was the other one. Uh, I think. I, oh yeah, Line A is the other one. Kyle Connor. But you know, I have a feeling that Winnipeg will find a way to to sign those two guys. And if they don't, uh, either one of those would be basically one step below Marner. They'd both be very good. Line is kind of a weird dude. I mean, he came in with so much promise, and then, I don't know, it seems like he's kind of run out of gas a little bit. I don't know if playing in Winnipeg is not that much fun. It's possible. But, uh, you know, I, 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 you were saying it before, like the, the Jets maybe have set themselves up now to be kind of vulnerable to to uh, an offer sheet. But, you know, I mean, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, even though we just saw one with uh, with the Canadians and Ajo. Um, you know, that was a one-time thing, and, about five minutes after it happened, people were universally kind of like, "That was stupid. Why would you? Why would you offer sign him to an offer sheet that the other team is basically just going to match?" And uh, again, that's what I was saying. It seemed like they were kind of under the impression that the Hurricanes didn't have any money, uh, 
and it turns out they have plenty <laughs> of money. They just, you know, we're negotiating with Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I think you, you said in that uh, segment, you said something. We were like, don't, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And, um, how many of us were like, I can't believe I let myself, you know, think that our Tammy <laughs> Panarin was actually exactly. was realistically considering. And, um, and it only took like three days for me to make the same mistake again. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm t- totally okay with it. I'm just like, all right, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to keep leading into this until, you know, I'm, yeah. tomorrow morning I wake up and not only is Marner signed an offer sheet, but he's done it for like league minimum to make sure because he just really <laughs> wants to be the one to be a part of the Leafs, you know. So uh, I, I, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know I'm playing with fire and I think yeah. most Islander fans do too. But, you know, that's uh, when you're when you're a fan of a team that is this that exists in this way. Uh, that's what you have to do. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and that's what's going to have to sustain us uh, throughout the summer because basically uh, this is probably uh, our last episode of the season, barring a Mitch Marner offer sheet <laughs> or a shovel in the ground at Belmont, although I think at this point we've, we've kind of exhausted our, our discussion topics on Belmont or, or maybe a, a shovel isn't going into Belmont. That would be something else too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a great season. Uh, you know, going back to last uh october you know we decided to do this once a week thing and i don't think either of us knew how far we'd get or even if we could pull it off but it's been a lot of fun and it's been cool to to do this this way and i think it's been uh exciting and we never ran out of stuff to talk about which is great and it's kind of cool to have been in the rhythm and kind of watch the team progress throughout the season and what turned out to be a spectacular unbelievable season that nobody could have predicted has been a lot of fun and uh you know i'm glad we did once a week because and this was the right season to do yeah, it exactly we had something to talk about every time yeah i think so i think uh it was it was we were lucky but yeah we 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 kind of just had a good time that was it like we we're yeah i think the islanders were having a lot of fun islander fans were having a lot of fun and that just kind of became a trickle down to us and the show and uh yeah it's been great it's been fun uh it's been a lot of fun talking to people too meeting a mm-hmm. bunch of people uh, just randomly at the Coliseum or whatever. There's no better place on the planet to meet someone than at an Islander game at Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> like in the intermission with some really terrible music playing and you know, <laughs> this is, there's T-shirts flying over your head and yeah. that old blimp that used to drop tickets that flew around. <laughs> <laughs> I used to see it get stuck in Yeah, that thing was the best. What a, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, and it goes, it goes without saying that we would not do this. I mean, Mike and I obviously love talking to each other. But we would not do this, this podcast, if it wasn't for the people listening to us. Uh, our numbers have been great this year. We obviously joined the SB Nation Network, which has been great for us, too, because it gives us a, a much wider platform. If you listen to other SB Nation podcasts, you might hear our Ghostbusters-inspired ad. Uh, so if you hear that and you know, spread the word, that's great. Hopefully other people will hear it and, and will listen. But uh, thank you so much for listening to us. I say it every week. Thanks for hanging out with us because that's basically what we're doing is just hanging out. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, whether you think that we're a fun show to listen to or you think that we're very amateur fans complaining, uh, we appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> and so uh, thank you so much. We hope you'll be back with us next year. Uh, we will be back next year, uh, next season at some point. Uh, and uh, also, you know, there are going to be some new uh, edit, uh, Lighthouse Hockey podcasts for next season too. I've been working on one. I'm going to start working on another one later. Uh, so you'll have a whole bunch of podcasts to choose from. You'll have us. I assume you'll have Nolan Dan. Hopefully we'll have all of Nolan Dan because their show is great too. And you'll have a couple of new ones too. One of them is called Islanders Award Winners. And it's a different kind of podcast. It's a narrative podcast. And it uh, covers uh, one player uh, for one season in which he won uh, an NHL award. And the first episode is about Brian Trottier's 1979, in which he won the Art Ross and Hart Trophies. And uh, it's a little bit different. I've been meaning to do some kind of different podcasts. I mean, sport, sports podcasts are all very much the same thing. Uh, and they're fun. We have fun. You know, it's a bunch of people talking about sports. It's great. But, you know, I always feel like there's something else to do there. And uh, so I finished the one episode, and I'm going to throw that together. And uh, you can listen to it right after this one. So there you go. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope you read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. I hope you follow Mike on Twitter. I've been saying this for years and years and years and years and years. You had to follow Mike on Twitter. And your Twitter handle is once again. It's, it's the Big Lebowski with two E's. That's that's too kind. You got to follow Mike on Twitter. You have to. It's it, 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 he 
he doesn't tweet often, but when he does, it's often gold. <laughs> like that's, you know, and that's kind of like the Twitter idea. Like you don't want, you know, I, I've unfollowed people because they tweet too much. So you don't want people follow, tweeting too much, but you want what's coming out of them to be gold. And that's Mike has that. He has had that standard. So you should definitely follow him there. Uh, I suppose you should follow me at Culture of Losing. Yes, please do. He does, but you could, I guess. Uh, and uh, you should follow all of our friends there, too. And, you know, we'll be around in the summer. I can't guarantee for how long, but, you know, we're not going anywhere. So. Yeah, who knows? I mean, and <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully there's just this is the off season of, of good news, even though it's already not that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. No, well, so far it's been so good. All right. Um, actually, so uh, just on one on one t- the thing with bad news, we talked about it a lot last week, but uh, if you haven't heard Robin Leonard's uh, TSN 1050 interview. Uh, you definitely should. I'm going to put a link to it in the, in the, the article for this. It's great. That dude is a talker, man. He just, he, you give him something and he will just go. And he's very open about what happened, you know, where it broke down with the Islanders. He says he loves Lou. He loves Barry. Uh, just sometimes it just doesn't work out. You can buy that or not, but uh, you know, he's definitely got a lot of love for the Islanders and the Islander fans. So, uh, it, it was good to hear. And if he's blowing smoke up our butts, then I'll take it. But, uh, you know, it sounds like he was very sincere and it just, you know, it's kind of a shame it didn't work out. But, you know, hopefully uh, Simeon Valarmov will, you know, continue the tradition of the, the Mitch Korn, Piero Greco uh, reclamation project. And uh, we'll have as good a season as uh, Leonard did. You never know. Never Maybe know. He does. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks again. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully we get some great Belmont. We got a shovel in the ground at Belmont in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, you know, the Islanders get some new additions that uh, make their team more dynamic. And uh, we will be back next year. Stay tuned for a special preview. Islanders award winners. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Anything else? No. Go no. go Islanders. <laughs> go Islanders. Oh, uh, NHLnames.com. Read those guys. Uh, Sneaky Athletic. I guess you can still put 10%. <laughs> you can still yeah. save 10%. Put anxiety in the discount code box. Thank you very much, Sneaky Athletic. It's been great. Hopefully, we've sold some merchandise for you i don't even know um (laughs) but uh we'll see and uh yeah on behalf of mike and i thanks for listening and uh we'll see you in a couple months all right bye-bye This is a special short preview of Islanders Award winners, one of our new uh, Lighthouse Hockey podcasts that's going to uh, premiere next season. It's a, I don't know, a little over two minutes or so, and it kind of gives you a taste of what the kind of podcast is going to be like. It is different than your normal sports podcast. It's narrative. It tells a story about one player's season and how he came to win a major award. In this particular clip, it's Brian Trottier during the 1978-79 season. And this section here is about an unbelievable performance in a certain game in the second half of the season and uh, how he and his line mates were just on fire at that point. It's pretty crazy. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, in October, uh, the show is going to premiere. It's going to run once a month, and the first episode will be about Brian Trottier. So if you're already subscribing, you'll be able to download this uh, right away. It'll just show up in your feed every month. Thanks for listening. Here is Islanders Award winners. It was clear by this point that Brian Trottier was putting together an exemplary season. Not that you'd ever hear him say so. The fourth-year center was just as soft-spoken and humble as he was as a rookie, and his priority was always hard work and wins above anything else. He never shows any of what he feels, linemate Gilly said at the time. Win or lose, it's the same thing. He comes into the locker room, takes off his uniform, showers, and leaves without a word. Happens all the time. End quote. But even the self-effacing Trottier couldn't help but pat himself on the back after his performance against the Rangers on December 23, 1978. The center had eight points, including five goals, in a 9-4 Islanders win over their most hated rivals, team records that still stand today. Trottier said after the game, quote, Yeah, it's my best game ever. 
I'll tell you, it's the kind of game you cherish and think about for a long time. End quote. Trottier tried in vain to argue that one of his three second-period goals belonged to defenseman Stefan Persson. But prompted by his teammates, officials did indeed credit the goal to Trottier well after the game was over, as the puck had deflected off his stick. Rangers forward Dave Maloney called Trottier the best center in the NHL and praised his work ethic, saying, quote, He takes those long shifts, like maybe two minutes, and at the end of two minutes, he's still leading the other guys back up the ice, end quote. The five-goal outburst gave Trottier 24 on the season and ran his point streak to 13 games. It would hit 14 a few nights later with a goal and a 5-1 win over the Leafs. Trottier had now broken Bossy's team record point streak, set a season before, and shared the NHL leading goals with his linemate. His 54 points on the season put Trottier just two behind league leader Guy Lafleur, the man who had beaten him in MVP voting the prior spring. He and Lafleur would be tied at 59 points two nights later after Trottier's four-assist performance in a 10-4 win over the Flames, his 15th straight game with at least one point. His streak would hit 17 games in a 9-0 beatdown of the Canucks on January 2, 1979. Trottier's four-assist game would give him a four-point lead on Lafleur. Clicking on all cylinders now, Bossy, Gillies, and Trottier had an unbelievable 27 combined points in a three-game stretch, causing Nystrom to wonder from the bench if his friends were even human. That's it for the preview. Thanks for listening, and Lighthouse Hockey Podcasts, including Islanders Award winners, will be back in October.